Uh, I was tempted to do somewhat of a follow-up to last week's Shia. Uh, for those of you who heard it, I, I got a lot of feedback, very much feedback. Not, not proportionate to what I'm used to. I booked some good feedback. People were happy. People uh, complimented me and uh, you know, felt good with some, with some total, true clarity. And uh, there is follow-up. There's always follow-up you know, to talk more about each, each topic. But for now, I'm going to move on to another topic. And Mr. Shem, with Chazan Lemoyed. So let's start with a nice word. We're going to start with a nice word in Pasha's Bulak. Um, just starting with the, with the name of the Parsha itself, Bulak, right? Bulak. Why would the Torah be giving a name of a Parsha Bulak? We know that by Yisroi, for example, right? In the Torah of um, Parsha Al Shmoy, you know, there was something about uh, having a... a, a a parsha in the Torah named after Yisroi. So why would why would the Torah be giving a parsha named after Bulak, who was a Arusha son Yisroi? So this is a word from the Ma'ayv Rameshlana. Um, you could call it a pasuk word from the Ma'ayv and he says that the reason why the Torah is giving a, a, a name after a son Yisroi, Mivik, is because every guy really hates Eid. Halacha be'idia, I say son Yankov. Every guy hates Eid. Um, the problem is that most goyim won't say it; they won't tell it to you. Automatically, you don't know. To, to you know, protect yourself from a goy, from his influence, from his relationship, or from anything that he might do to you. Bulak was a kushir goy. It was a gita goy. He was a goy that told you that he hated you. So that's called a gita goy. If a goy is that good, then there could be a parchment named after him. A goy that's open with his intentions and open about how he feels about you, and you know that you should protect yourself from him because he's telling you he's no good for you. you know, that's a goy that could have a parchment named after him. So that's the bottom of my Rishlana. You know, if we could just twist that a little bit, say me the toivim How much more so when it comes to the good? It was a joke I heard somebody repeat once. Um, he was talking about Shalom bias, and he said that this this couple came to a, a marriage counselor, and uh, what was what was the wife's chief complaint? My husband never tells me he loves me. So the marriage counselor looks at the husband and says, "I don't understand. You married so many years, you never said such a thing." Said, "Listen, we got married. I told her I love her, and I told her then." that she should remember this, because if it ever changes, I'll tell her, but if not, then she has to remember it from now. Very often we tell someone something, or we don't even say it, even the first time, also not, and we, we tend to assume that, you know, that person will know it, because it, it, it's just how it is, isn't it? And the answer is no. There are things that are given, and it's left to be said. So if we know that the idea is, and still the one that tells it to you openly, uh, you know, did something to be proud of. He was open about it, even though we know it's always true. So, what, what was the big deal? But, but no, he said it. And when somebody says it, it's a different story. You know, how much more so when somebody when somebody expresses good feelings, when somebody expresses whether it's a compliment or affection or or any good feelings, any anything that that you you could have taken as a given, but it's 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 said, it's expressed, it makes people feel good. It definitely does a lot uh, to build relationships. So, very often, and and this is a little bit what we're going to be talking about. You know, sometimes you have a situation that's so beautiful and so good and so happy and healthy, and uh, you know, it's still it's still important to express your feelings, even though everything is wonderful. But then you have some situations that aren't so wonderful. You have situations that aren't wonderful at all. You have a situation, for example, where one spouse is uh, is, is not being successful or underachieving or, or going through challenges or other things. And then there there might even be a reason why somebody would assume, you know, what maybe you don't think highly of me anymore. Maybe you're upset by something I'm doing. Maybe if I don't hear the good word now, there's more reason for me to assume or suspect that, you know, maybe really that's not how you feel. So even though to you it might be a given and your feelings to your spouse might be uh, the way they should be, but you never know if they might not be feeling it that way. And the same thing is true, I mean, obviously we always connect the dots with Chinech you know, 
you could think or feel a certain way about a child, but if that child has reason to think otherwise, then it's even more important to start expressing something that you felt was a given. So that's just um, a way of introduction to what we're, going to be, what we're going to be discussing. So I'm going to read a letter now. I hope I'm going to leave out all of the identifying details, but let me just say this much before I start. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I've seen many such situations. Okay? Sometimes letter writers, I think last week, uh, one letter writer wrote, you don't have to change the details because I know it's, I'm not the only one with this issue. And it's true. As a matter of fact, I don't think I ever saw an issue, to be honest, that, wow, I never heard this before. You know, obviously, there's someone more common than others. But, I'm, I, you know, a letter like this, aside for a few specific details, I could say that, you know, I, I've seen this and heard this, unfortunately, many times. So let me just uh, go on with it. Okay, dear Rabbi Gruen, thank you so much for your wonderful weekly speeches you post on Torah anytime in English. Okay. I like when people um, are clear about which, which language they understand, because sometimes I take the liberty of, of addressing certain ones in Yiddish, even though most, most people are writing to me in English. Um, they are so clear, insightful, and practical, and the style you deliver them in is so humble and genuine and teoretic and so easy, so it's easy to be makabal. Okay, thank you for that. Um, I know that you always say you're not answering halachic shyness, so putting halacha aside, I have a question which I hope you can help me with. Okay, so let me just stop for a second and, and say, yes, I, I don't answer halacha shyness, I'm not qualified. Um, when we say we're putting it aside, I'm sure it means, and I'm just, I'm just making sure it means, that you're asking that to someone else. Obviously. There's no such thing as putting halakha aside, obviously. Okay. My elders have always been super nice to us when we do exactly as they want, but the minute we acted not to their liking, there, was a huge, there were huge blow-ups, and it takes weeks or months until they would talk to us again. The dynamic in the family is that they are super close to their children, and married children, and everything is like one big happy family, and everyone knows everything about each other. A few years ago, we moved away, and my husband became much more serious, and Frum became a real ben away from his family and friends. His parents were very angry when we decided to move, and we reassured them that it was only temporary. Since my husband has done so well here, many rabunim, have, we, he asked, have told him that he should stay here where it's best for him and try to make his parents calm. Okay, so I'm just pointing out that it seems that he's following the Torah when it comes to anything you know, practical. Every time we visit, it's a huge fight about why we went away and why he became such a fanatic. But it's really all about trying to manipulate us to move back to be near them. My father, my father went as far as to da da da. Okay, he actually made some moves to manipulate the situation and control the situation that they shouldn't be able to move away, etc. I'm not going to go into the details. Um, last time we went to visit was the worst, as all the siblings, all my husband's siblings, ganged up against him, and you know, were, were expressing how angry they were for him uh, being different in the family and causing all this aggravation and everything else. We tried so hard to be super nice to everyone, but because we really are different, we're just simply a little frumer. It rubbed them the wrong way, which eventually caused a big blow-up, a lot of humiliation, and, co- and weeks of anguish. Um, my husband never answers back, and he always, you know, takes things nicely, etc., etc., Okay. And then there was the manipulation about going to different family members and carrying, um, you know, bad regards and things like that. And again, I'm not going into the details, but I, like I said, unfortunately, I've heard this before. Okay, and the more my husband tries to make this work, the worse it gets. Uh, there were weeks and weeks that our calls were ignored. Um, weeks that we were getting um, bad feedback from family members talking about how uh, how I'm destroying the family, etc., etc. Um, being ignored by Simchus, and things like that. Okay, like I said, I'm just, I'm just leaving out the details, but this is, this is, you know, 
Now it's ready, it's a few weeks, and actually since this question came in, it's probably a few months, I don't know how the situation is now, that uh, barely a call, um, barely a relationship. So basically my question is, okay, is there anything I can do to repair this relationship? A few things won't change. My husband is not going to stop being a serious mentor just because it bothers people, even though they keep on pointing out how other people are so normal and so erlich and still so normal, and you can be erlich with being normal and things like that. Um, that's, that's one. We know that they are controlling and manipulative, and it's best for us to be emotionally uh, not to be close to them. So for now, we're staying where we are, and um, they're not happy. So basically, I'm trying to learn how to emotionally disconnect and not get upset by how they're uh, behaving toward us. I forgot to mention, even though it's the most important point, that I know that I'm the luckiest woman in the world to have the most wonderful, amazing husband straight from the kindness of Hashem. And I know that at least my problem is with in-laws and not with my spouse, but it's still quite a big issue, and I want to have the guidance for it. I really appreciate you taking the time to even read this long drusha. Okay. So, uh, I, I gave, I gave the, the synopsis of what's going on over here. Right? A woman is complaining that family members are ostracizing them and, and making them feel bad and, and trying to manipulate them and causing them a lot of anguish and everything else. Okay. Now, I, I, of course, I have to say that everything I'm going to be saying is only based on what you're telling me. And I always say that, right? That's the point of this, this class over here. I'm not giving practical guidance anyway. Um, it's all basically on, on, on what I'm reading. If I wouldn't have, if I, like I said, if I would have never seen such situations before, I would like, really? Parents could do that? And unfortunately, I don't mean to bad enough anyone and make believe it's a very common problem, but I've seen this. I've seen this and heard this uh, up close. I, I've, I've dealt with situations like this up close. Um, so it's important to realize and remember that maybe there is another side of the story, maybe you know, something's not coming across clearly, although I have reason to suspect that that's not the case. Um, but there could always be overlooked details. That's what I'm trying to point out. There could be overlooked details like... What did you do that maybe aggravated the situation even more? What could have you done better? And there's always things you know to discuss like that. So even though I'm going to be giving a, a, a you know some some feedback and some guidance, even call it. But there's definitely things that you know when you take it apart, there might be more more to a story. Um, now, often when I address such questions, it's not so much because I have that much to offer the questioner as much as I'm using this as a springboard to discuss a, a topic, a situation that I think everyone can learn from. Okay, so this is the, you know a certain awareness uh, that you bring to the to the to the public. And you know, the fact that people hear this and listen to it based on the situation you're going through. So, you know, the first thing is that um, based on what you're telling me, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think that you should be strong and you shouldn't be intimidated. Okay? But the first people I want to address is the parents. And it doesn't mean that I think these parents in this situation actually listen to this. It could be that I'm addressing other parents that are going through a similar situation or helping people avoid such situations, knowing that it's wrong to uh, treat married children this way. Or even just you alone, even the questioner alone. The fact that you're going to one day be um, parents of married children is also something to, you know, to think about. Okay. So and very often, as they say, the abused become abusers. Uh, I'm not going to say I believe in that, you know, so much, but you know, it's just something to think about. When you see people doing things wrong, you know, it's important to, to understand, um, you know, what's 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 really happening. Now, the fact, uh, just to be brief, the fact that parents try to control married children is already a problem. The fact that they're mixing into their marriages and, and, and mixing into their lives is, is a very big problem. I spoke about this many times. And if someone's mixing into your marriage, then it's something to think about. They're doing something wrong. Okay? Your allegiance to your spouse comes first, even though there's obviously all the halachas to keep it up line, that you want to run by a dastoira and a moreru to make sure that you're not doing anything you're not supposed to. But it's clear that, that to break your home and your shalom bias by people that are mixing in when they shouldn't be is a problem. And even here alone, and, I, and I, like I said, recently alone, I was busy with such a situation, where parents were crossing red lines. 
Okay? It's one thing when you call and you say, um, what's doing? Where's your husband? Why isn't he home yet? Which is already very not good. It's another thing when you cross red lines. When you mix into private parts of people's marriage, or, or, or when it comes to family simchis, and you don't invite certain children, or you don't go to certain simchis, or you don't let siblings talk to each other, that's crossing red lines. That's terrible. And it happens often. So somebody's doing it to you, you should know that it's terrible and you shouldn't allow it to happen, you shouldn't tolerate it, you have to know how to deal with it. And if you're doing it to someone else, regardless of what the reason is, it doesn't matter what your children are doing, it's wrong. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is because it, it, it could be the other way around also. You know, in this case, for those who are listening and those who appreciate B'nai Torah and those who appreciate Yerushamayim, um, they think to themselves, wow, poor guy, he's sitting and learning, he's being erlich, he's not hurting anyone and people can't stand it. And I see this often. But even if it would be the other way around, even if it would be somebody who's less from than his family, I'm not talking about that, not from, I'm talking about less from, right? A family of B'nai Torah, and they're all sitting and learning, and they're all being, uh, you know, a certain standard and certain uh, way of life. And yeah, one that's not so, he's just the black sheep. It's still not an answer. In other words, even, even with all the, you know, the, the good intentions of uh, trying to help people be Ehrlich, and all of the Shem Shemayim, it's still wrong. It's still wrong to make a married child feel like that and to cross them out of the family and make a machlaikas over it and not let other people talk to him. And It's terrible. It's terrible. You're not helping anyone. Those things don't work anyway. Kolshkin, if somebody's simply being uh, maybe, maybe even a bit better and you're just intimidated by somebody's Yerushalayim and, and somebody's um, seriousness and somebody's learning Torah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a question. This is, this is very wrong. I think everyone should uh, understand that. And, 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 and I want to take another minute to address the siblings. Okay? And there's more siblings than parents out there in such situations because, you know, whatever set of parents and child is going through this, there could be ten siblings. Okay? I've seen this many times. I've seen parents tell siblings not to, be, not to talk to someone or to, or to manipulate them or to send messages or to uh, give all these hints and, and, and feedback and everything. It's terrible. If you're a sibling and somebody's telling you to do that to your sibling, it's wrong. Now, I know it's not always easy. And just recently I was, I was involved in a situation where siblings were afraid. They were manipulated. Okay, if you talk to that, to that um, sister, I'm not going to give you any money anymore. I'm not going to pay your bills. I'm not going to pay your rent. Uh-oh, what do I do now? Now, those that are strong people, and they say, you know what? So be it. Too bad on you. I'm going to talk to my sister because I'm supposed to. It's the right thing for me to do. And then there are people who, you know, listen, you know, they've said the Maya or the Daya, and it's a lot of money and a lot of pressure. And if you, don't, if you talk to that sister, you're not either going to be invited to the Hasna. You know, it becomes complicated. What do you do then? Well, again... Make sure you're running this by somebody instead of saying that you heard it from me because whenever it comes to anything practical and I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am, you have to be careful. But the real, the, real, the real answer, what I think is the right thing to do, you pick up a phone and you talk to your sister and your parents don't have to know. Why are you so afraid? Not to talk to a sister, not to talk to a brother, not to make someone feel like you're part of the family. Who else is not a sibling? Who else is there for you, who else is there for you if not a sibling? Right? When, when you get fired from a job or your neighbor has a dentoyer with you, who do you want to give you chizik? Your sibling, Right? So why, when it's your parents that are crossing them out, are you not there for them? And I've seen this many times. As a matter of fact, I was involved in a situation, this was going a while back, where somebody wasn't allowed to talk to a brother. He wasn't allowed to talk to a brother. Why? Because Sean Baez didn't let him talk to his brother. Okay? His wife would be very angry if he spoke to his brother. Now, his brother was going through a very difficult time. Very difficult time. And he was the only brother. And he wasn't talking to his brother. He knew his brother was going through a hardship. And they weren't, they weren't in a fight. These two brothers, they loved each other. But he wasn't there for his brother because his wife wouldn't allow it. Now, it's already wrong, it's already being controlled, and it's already off the charts. And if there's any woman out there who doesn't let her husband talk to her brother, unless there's reason to think that when he talks to me he's going to start killing people, or I don't know why, um, it's wrong. 
Well, when he talks to him, yeah, either uh, too bad on you. Yeah, again, these are sensitive topics and have to be dealt with. But I mean to say that in most cases that I've seen where somebody's not okay with somebody talking to someone else, it's a control issue, it's, a, it's an insecurity issue, it has nothing to do with the brother, it wasn't anything bad at all. Now, I told this thing about, you know, I, I don't understand why you're not talking to your brother. I think it's okay if you tell your wife, you know, I love you dearly, I understand you, and this is my brother and my communication with him. I mean, if it's getting in your way, you can tell me how and when and where, and I'll do it a different way. But if you're not strong enough to do that, or for whatever reason, you don't want to do that, you don't want to tell your wife they're communicating him, why don't you call him when she's not, when she's not around? She's not your mommy. You're not allowed to call your brother and give him some chizik? You're not allowed to call a brother and make a connection with him and communicate with him? I don't understand that. Sure enough, he took my advice, and he started communicating with his brother, and he tells me that, you know, you gave me back a brother. You gave him back a brother. And, and his wife didn't know about it. Now, some people don't like when I talk about these things. What do you mean? You have to be open with a spouse. Well, of course you have to be open with a spouse if you can live. If, your spouse, if you're being open with your spouse means you can't live, or you can't do things the way you're supposed to, then who said you have to be open with a spouse? You want to be open with a spouse who's not going to control you. Right? If your spouse tells you that if you eat anything during the day, she's going to go for divorce because she can't handle that you're gaining weight, so you're going to fast the whole day, or you're going to eat behind her back, or I don't know what you're going to do, but you don't always have to... Anyway, I think you get the point. So, in any case... You know, if parents are, are mistreating a child and siblings are, are teaming up against someone because you're breaking the family by not, uh, what, by not being controlled by Tati and Mami, again, this is a sensitive topic and I, I don't like talking about it so blatantly, but to me it's pretty clear. Yes, it's important that you call a sister, you call a brother and say, you know what, even if, even if you're not sure that they're doing the right thing, and even if you don't want them to come back to want you, and even if you, you don't know what the right answer to do, hello, how are you? That's the most you can do. You don't have to say, I know Tati and Mami are wrong. You don't have to say that I feel so bad. You don't have to say that um, I think you're doing the right thing, everyone else is crazy. Maybe you should, I don't know. But you could say, how are you? You could say, I miss you. You could say, how are your kids doing? I, I think that's something that everyone has to hear. And, and it's important for, parents, for people to understand what siblings are all about and how much you could offer one another, which is also um, very, very important. So, getting back to the question over here, okay? You have parents who are mistreating you. Okay, one, one thing I want to make clear, and this is something I've seen in, in, in quite a few situations. I'll, I'll give two examples in a moment. When somebody's mistreating you, very often you feel um, intimidated and you feel put down and you're afraid that it's making you look very bad because people are bad-mouthing you and telling people how bad you are and that's part of the anguish. You know, it's one thing that you're losing your family. It's another thing that people are hearing what's going on. It's not comfortable for, for anyone to be bad-mouthed. And I want to tell you something. And I said this to people, to two people. Um, one person was going through a situation where um, Sean Bias was not okay and, and a spouse kept on taking notes. Now, it's very disturbing. I don't know if you've ever had anyone take notes in front of your nose. Okay? Um, everything you're doing, uh, there was a pad and a paper, and, and things being written down. Okay? Um, now, you're doing this. Now, um, spacing out. Now, um, ignoring one of the kids. Now, um, eating again. Now, and it was, it, was, it was out of control. Now, it's very intimidating and very uncomfortable when somebody sits in front of your face with a pad and keeps on taking notes, like a police report. And, and everything, every time you do, you make a mistake, or every time you drop something, or every time, I, I don't know, every time, you, every time you raise your voice by mistake, somebody takes out a pen and starts writing it down. And aside from being uncomfortable, it makes a person feel like, uh-oh, what's going to be with this? Who's, who's going to read this? Okay? And, and I'll give you first another example before I get to my point. Um, somebody else was telling you about a situation where somebody was bad-mouthing them and, and, and spreading um, not nice reports about them to everyone. Okay, so for example, the report went something like, um, this person is doing terrible things, this person is um, abusing other people in relationships, and I'm not going to go into the details, and sending out these messages to 100 people. 
to 100 people. It means everyone on your block and all your cousins and all your second cousins and all your mukhtanim were getting messages about you that you're doing things wrong and abusing people and, and, and you're an abusive person. You can try to get along with you and you're causing a lot of anguish to a lot of people. Now both of these people, the one that's having the notes taken of him and the one that's having everyone hear about him, everyone on his block, uh, they obviously felt very intimidated and very distraught. Like, what do I do? This person's spreading such bad things about me. This person's going to make me look so bad. And what I told both of them was, you could be sure that anyone getting these texts, I know it's not comfortable, and I don't want anyone texting things about me, so you know, don't, don't, please don't take me um, for face value. Anyone that's going to see a pad, a paper, with 10-page reports about what you did this afternoon, and anyone who's getting texts, anyone on your block who's getting texts from somebody about what you're doing in a relationship that's private, they're going to know that the person sending these messages and taking these reports are off the wall. Okay? Now, I know it's not like a schmack to have anyone see that about you, but you could be sure it's not about you, it's about the other person. Very often, when somebody mistreats you in a certain way, as much as you feel it might make you look bad, they're making themselves look bad. And I see this very often. If somebody's mistreating you and telling people how bad you are, and you're a very good person, very often they're making themselves look bad, not you. It's just something to think about. It's not about you. If somebody doesn't know how to treat you like a mensch, and somebody doesn't know how to keep it to themselves or work it out between you and them, and they go spread all these things to everyone, they make themselves look like fools. So if anyone's coming and reading a 10-page report about what you did this afternoon, they're going to realize the person who took this report is off the wall. Which already makes them question how accurate it is, and and already makes them read between the lines, and already makes them realize, hey, there's nothing wrong, so he dropped something. Okay, so what? But he was doing this also. Okay, that's normal. Like, why are you taking reports about this? There's something wrong with it. Anyway, so I'm just just trying to put into perspective over here. When somebody's mistreating you like that, most often, as uncomfortable as it is, it's not reflecting as bad as you think it is about you. Now, let, let, let me go over to the, to the main idea over here. I want to commend you, Mrs. Questioner, for being proud of your husband. Okay? And it's not easy. I know it's not easy. There are people who sometimes you're in a relationship, and even if you are proud of your husband or your wife, at the end of the day, it's causing so much anguish and so much aggravation and so much agonization. You know, sometimes you get this feeling like, why do you have to do it all the way? Why can't you just do it a little differently? I know you want to be a mentor, you want to be Ehrlich and everything. I, I respect it, but it's causing so many problems. Like, why? maybe you don't have to do it all the way. In other words, sometimes even when you believe in what someone's doing, you still get resentful because, you know, Adma said, come on, just let, maybe we can make this work. And you start getting that feeling like, you know, look what you're causing to us. And it's wrong. If someone's being mistreated, aside from the fact that it probably won't even help, you know, to pull back a little bit, because that's not the issue over here. The issue is something bigger than that. But to be proud and to stand by your husband and say, you know what, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I believe in what you're doing. You have my full support and my backing. And, and I'm here for you. That, that's tremendous. And I've seen this. I'm not going to... Um, be too specific but I saw this in a situation of somebody who grew up to be a good to be a soul a great person and went through difficulty when they were younger and it was only the fact that there was a wife backing the husband and saying you know what I believe in you I see it's difficult and I see you're not, you're not allowing yourself you know, to, be, to be manipulated or, or you're, not, you're not being ashamed of anyone you're doing what's right it was that chizik that, that, helped, that helped people grow so a woman that's standing by her husband as difficult as the situation is and saying you know what I believe in you and I'm not going to let all this aggravation, which is very, very uh, uncomfortable, to say the least. I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm not going to let it cause anything between us. I'm here for you. And I know that this is what's important in life. A husband and wife being connected and believing in each other and backing each other. And, and, and even, even, even sometimes when there's something wrong with it. Now, like we said, in this case, it's beautiful. You have a, a bentoyer sitting there learning what could be better. Even sometimes when it's the other way around. And still a wife is backing the husband saying, you know what, I believe in you. I know that, I know that you, you, you're trying your best. I know you're doing what you feel is right. And even though other people are not happy with it, you have my backing. Even when it's the other way around, you could often be doing the right thing. Koshkin, when somebody's you know, doing the right thing, 
and, and, and as, as hard as it is, you, 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 you stick up for what's right. That's, 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 that's very important. Now, obviously, you're going to always need, like I said before, you always need a, a, a Rav, a Das Torah to consult with because there are going to be questions coming up. And Kibbut Abayim is not, is not, is not is, you know, it's, in the it's a serious situation. So you're going to need ongoing guidance. But the chizik that I want to give you is that you're doing the right thing by standing by your husband and being proud. Um, like I said, Kibbut Abayim is a deraisa. Okay, so, so each question for itself, every time you, you, you have a question of the Easter, even though for a woman it's, it's, a, it's simpler because, you know, your husband, by the time you're married, your husband takes over a lot of that. You know, but in general, even for him, to be mechaber is or whatever it may be, or, or in this case, it's his parents, I'm sorry. Um, you know, there's always things that are going to come up, and, and it's, it's, it's something you need, you need clarity uh, with. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to compromise in kibbutz line, but you do want to know that when it's nagaya, you're shulim bias, and it's nagaya things like that. Then, then very often you're going to have to you know take each situation for itself, judge it for what it is, um, behave accordingly, and not change your your mindset, not change your attitude, and that's that's very important. Now, I, I want to say something also, which might just help you a little bit. Okay, sometimes you you get sometimes you get into these things with people like oh they're mistreating me, they're wrong, and they're this and that. You get all worked up against someone. I, I know it's not always so practical, but sometimes I, I help people with this to understand that you know it's a pity on them. It's a rahmanas on people who need to feel in control. It's a rahmanas on people who when things don't go their way they lose it. And they, 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 they gang people up against each other and they get into this uh, this um, attitude or this uh, thing that they can't get out of. It's a rahmanas on such people. It's coming from insecurity, it's coming from unhappiness, it's coming from unfulfillment and maybe a lot of other things. And when you see someone like that and you see it for what it is and you say, you know what, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. They don't mean anything bad. They, they, they want to be happy. They want us to be happy. They, they just don't know how to do it, unfortunately. They, they're, they're lacking certain skills or certain understanding or certain contentment within themselves very often that's making them do this. I feel bad for them. When you feel bad for someone like that, you know, very often, it, it just changes the attitude. It makes you see the good in them. I'll say briefly a question, uh, uh, a story that Abraham Ganachowski in his Seif National Bias talks about. Actually, he's talking about husband and wife. Uh, about seeing someone and, and understanding that, you know, it's a pity on them. He talks about, he, he says a story about Rechaim Velazhana who was caught in the forest, he was walking or whatever he was doing there with, with Tamidim, and a group of gangsters uh, you know, caught them and they wanted to kill them. And his last wish was to daven in. Okay, so he was davening, and after davening, the, 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 you know, the thief, the, the murderer, said, you know, he's going to let him go. He was tied up, he let him go. And all Tamidim said, wow, what a moifas, is she? How, how did I do that? He said, I'll tell you. When I saw this, this person, I was davening, I was thinking to myself, you know, he's such a rahmanas. How did he get here? How did he get, how did he get to the forest wanting to steal from people and kill them? What, what, what got into him? The answer is, he was probably a young child and he was misunderstood. And he went through difficulty and he was thrown out into the streets and he didn't have what to eat and he started to steal and people got upset at him and they tried fighting with him and, and this all led up to where he is now. What an unfortunate soul. And I had such a chmunas on him and I was thinking of him like, what a pity. And I, and I meant it. And it was mo'erer in him, kamayim punim apunim. He felt good, he felt understood and he let me go. And he talks about how when, you, when somebody's hurting you, just think about the fact that, wow, they're hurting. It's so sad. I feel bad for them. Look what they got. Look what they got. They don't know how to be happy with letting people thrive and letting people grow and actually stepping nachas from children doing the right thing. I, I think that mindset is also, is also something to think about. Now, I'm just going to go for this, that yeah, try as much as you could to, to be respectful. Sometimes, sometimes you can't. Sometimes people don't let you be respectful. Sometimes they don't want to pick up your phones. Sometimes they don't want to hear you be respectful. But you could try. And you could keep on trying. And even when you see it doesn't bring the results, it's not everything about results. It's about being respectful. I'm a respectful person. I'm polite. I'm nice to you, mommy and tati. As, as, as hard as it is, as, as unhappy as you are with us, 
I'll still try to be polite. I'll still send you a nice card. I'll still send you some pictures. I'll still send you some compliments. I'll still try to even ask you for advice when I could. Try to be nice. When people see your confidence, your contentment, your, 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 your good feeling about yourself, your happy marriage, and you're still being polite and pleasant, you'd be surprised to see what happens on its own. Not always you need intervention, not always um, does it happen short term, but I've seen situations like that change over time. All of a sudden, people get a little older and they start realizing, you know what, look at this, look at this child of ours, Such, so happily married, so kind, so pleasant. You, you don't know what could happen. I remember a story when I was a bocher, watching this, that there was a child who was very similar to this situation, actually, that we're discussing over here. Parents had a lot of money, and unfortunately money does crazy things to people, and they weren't happy that this child was sitting and learning, and not uh, coming into the family business, and not uh, you know, perpetuating the family uh, tradition. And, and, and there was a lot, of, a lot going on similar to what this is. And some time went by, and people were nice, and people were confident, they felt good about themselves, they didn't get offensive, they weren't, they weren't intimidated, they just went on with their life. And it took some time, and all of a sudden, the father started to be proud of this child, and realized that this child was getting further in life than other children, and started supporting the child, and buying him a house, and things like that. And things like that happen. Will it always happen? I don't know. What Hashem's help, anything can happen. But remember, standing behind your husband, backing him, being proud of him, and being polite and pleasant and trying your best to be respectful to parents, that's, that's a mahalach achayim, something you should always be doing. And with Hashem's help, the two of you will build a bias, and be a through, live together, ba'ava, arva, shulam, barayas.